For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Okay, folks, welcome to this week's Believe in Wizards podcast. I'm Matt, he's Larry, and we finally have basketball to talk about. Larry, I don't know about you, but just something something cathartic in being able to sit and watch actual basketball, even in sort of a preseason environment. How was this week's uh, basketball experience for you? Man, it's, it's just uh, the love of the game. It, it really shows up uh, when you get a, you're without it for so long and then you get a chance to experience it at, you know, at these different levels that we have, um, you know, leading up, you know, with the, the TBT, you know, and then, you know, now, I mean, we have full access, man. Games are, games are popping. So it's, 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 it's a good day now. The NBA league pass has that sort of condensed game option where they cut the game down into like 10 minute highlights. And, and that's like gotten me through the week, just kind of keeping tabs on everybody. And especially with these sort of scrimmages by, you know, halftime, it's kind of, it doesn't really matter what happens in the second half, I think. But that's sort of one of the first things I want to get your take on is, you know, you've seen a lot of hot take, you know, hot take kind of stuff online about this reaction from from this scrimmage or this scrimmage. And is Bull Bull the next uh, Kevin Garnett because he had one good scrimmage against the Wizards? So from your perspective, how much can you really read into the things you see during these kinds of games? I think you're, you're really looking for um, uh, any signs of improvement. Uh, you're looking for anything that transfers from the practice court, you know, with position coaches and development coaches, uh, any of those reads you start to see in the actual live games. So I think it's really up to like management to break, you know, those small things down because it's uh, like you said, I mean, it's, it's really early and we all know a preseason. I mean, you're just kind of getting, getting your feet wet. It's really, you know, organized playground basketball. So I just really seeing, you know, kind of what, sort of reads and, and understand and transfers from, you know, those individual workout sessions. The one thing I thought that, that I'm, I'm worried will sort of translate is the Wizards in their scrimmages shot under 30% from three. And a lot of the guys that were shooting them didn't look particularly close. And, you know, I don't know if some of that's rust and layoff and getting back into the swing of it, but also just you don't have Beal, you don't have Bertans, uh, you don't have Garrison Matthews even. Uh, I, I, to me, one of the biggest concerns about how the team's going to look over eight games is just sort of a, a lack of overall shooting. Does that seem reasonable to you? Well, I think it's, uh, you know, it's the, it's the pressure to shoot the three ball. And I think it's the pressure to shoot the three ball. And we just got to get the understanding that you don't have to shoot the three to be successful or to be efficient is to shoot the three ball. So if you're not ready, like the team is, you know, you shoot the worst when you are, uh, you know, just kind of not prepared to shoot the basketball. Like mm-hmm. you're running random plays and you get caught, you know, kind of behind the three-point line and it's a, you know, it's a shot. So I just think it's the mentality. 
you know, change the mentality a little bit, you know, get in, you know, start mid range and then work your way out and see what happens. A couple of times where we're both Rui Hachimura and Jerome Robinson had nobody within 10 feet of them and they caught it, you know, at the three point line sort of looked around, no one closed out on them and they dribbled into sort of a tougher 15 footer. And Robinson in particular has shot a pretty low percentage across the board through, through three scrimmages. Is that where you have to wrestle with what's a good shot versus comfort. And like, he's clearly a more comfortable mid range shooter, but it just seems like those guys get caught kind of in that middle ground a lot. Well, the old coach, you know, told me way back when is, is if you're open, you're open for a reason. And I think that, you know, that's the the mentality Like you can take a different shot uh, to put pressure on the defense, whether, you know, you take a step in or two or have, you know, it, it, it's just a very small difference when just taking a, a, another step in to take that shot. I mean, it's going to, I think it'll do wonders for those guys game. If you're going, you know, one for six from the three point line, I think, you know, you, you got to change it up a little bit and take some mid range jumpers and not everything is going to get you to the basket. Hatchmore actually did shoot a, a pretty good three point percentage. He just, it was on a really low you know, low sample set. He it didn't take a lot of looks. And uh, yeah, Robinson is, is one of the guys that I think um, the fan base at large is maybe if there is an overreaction, it's, hey, this guy's a bum. He's got to be a scorer. He can't shoot. And this is a guy that shot at a high level in college. Hasn't really played a lot thus far in the NBA. And I, I thought looked reasonable for the team before uh, all the pandemic stuff. So that's where it's like, hey, let's see how he looks over eight games at least, you know, even though that's a small sample set, but at least it's real eight real games as opposed to, you know, hey, he took some some weird kind of funky shots and, and didn't make many of them during a scrimmage. Yeah, man, you, you're looking at, you know, technique, form and follow through. All of those things are going to give you more of a story yeah. on if a guy has the ability to, to make shots and, and play the game at a high level. I mean, if he has that, you know, that funky shot going on and shots aren't going in, you know, then I say, you know, you got to be nervous. But just, from, you know, reminding everybody these guys are still developing their, their craft and shoot as much tape as they can get is probably going to help them, you know, more than the organization, you know, to see, what, you know, how they can be better. But you got to give these guys, you know, we, we want that baked product. We, we got to get these guys you know, a little bit more uh, experience uh, within the game to, to kind of figure it out. Yeah, this is when you want to see them kind of work through those growing pains. And and what I what I saw as an amateur basketball watcher from Robinson is he missed short like an awful lot. Like he looked like the shot was pretty well lined up. It just he just sort of hit the front, like not the front of the rim, but top of the front of the rim um, on the vast majority of stuff. So you got to think that's just getting your feet set, or, you know, like getting your feet under you as you kind of transition back into playing and. You've heard other players talk about the lighting is really bad and, and the sort of court they've built. And I think all those things probably factor in. And Larry, this is something I always wonder about. How much does sort of backdrop um, affect you as a shooter? If different stadiums, maybe more so in college than the pros even, but have that sort of different backdrop, does, does that make it tougher to shoot in certain places than others? It's it's different. Yes, it's, it's definitely a different feel. I mean, just from... Uh, the transition of going from high school uh, when a number of your, your baskets are right against the, you know, right against the sideline, against the wall, mm-hmm. and then going to college when you're playing in arenas and obviously going to the NBA and playing in, in, in big, bigger arenas. 
the backdrop is different. I mean, it, it is uh, something that you have to be aware of. Obviously, you know, your greatest players in the world playing the game, uh, so you can make the adjustment. But uh, I can imagine, like, in that setting, that the basket is kind of looking like it's sitting on an island mm-hmm. because of the lights and how dark it is. I mean, from, from watching it on TV, I mean, it kind of looks like a, a entertainment sort of complex. So I can imagine what these guys are shooting at right now. You know, they have those like college tournaments every year down in the Bahamas where they play in like the ballroom of a, a fancy hotel. Like that's what this feels like. It just, I'm curious what your overall thoughts are on sort of the viewing experience though. Has, I mean, I think it's been decent, at least from what I've thought. I think it's been pretty cool. I think it's been pretty cool. Again, we've all been itching uh, for some, for some basketball. So uh, however they kind of wanted to lay it out for us, I think we were going <laughs> to, we were going to consume it. Yeah. Uh, but what I thought was interesting was the the uh, sideline uh, camera that's mm-hmm. going along the sidelines. I thought it was a little bit odd for the players maybe that there there was no real boundary there other than the sideline. So normally there's, you know, fans there that, that have seats there and chairs that you can kind of gauge how far you are from the sideline, but with no – you know, with no chairs there, it's kind of that little deal we just talked about, the backdrop. It's like that depth, uh, making sure you don't step out of bounds, um, you know, on the sideline. It's what I was watching. I mean, being a, a, a basketball nerd again, is I'm kind of watching, you know, kind of those things that look kind of different. You know, one of the things I, I was kind of looking forward to was would other teams stick around and be able to watch other teams and, and sort of have that AAU feel to it, you know, where you're, you're kind of waiting for your game to come up next and just the way it's laid out. It, the, the benches are very weird and there's not, it's just kind of the court and that surrounding real estate, like you talked about. And that's, that's kind of it. So that that's one of the things I was kind of hoping for that I guess from a safety perspective doesn't make sense, but it would have been kind of cool to see, you know, LeBron finishing up his game while Giannis and team are sitting around and waiting to be the next team on deck or whatever. I guess uh, sort of overall thoughts, anybody on the team so far that, that stood out to you or, or look good or, you know, guys that maybe you were hoping to see a little more from so far that, that look a little sketchy or, you know, a little shaky? No, I think uh, what stands out is, is kind of the obvious is uh, Rui uh, just really being assertive and aggressive. I think that that's... Um, you know, part of that maturity and that growth process that, you know, a lot of young players need um, just happens at the, the cost of two of the, the main guys being out. But, you know, he's not shying away from, from the action and the activity. It looks like he's willing to make mistakes, obviously, now because he, you know, there's, there's nowhere to go. So uh, I think that for me that stood out uh, for sure. They've, they've mentioned this again a couple times during the broadcast, but Drew Gooden was very on the record about saying that give you know if a guy plays three possessions he can already tell if that guy's going to be a player or not in the league which seemed uh you know like a bit extreme to me but I do imagine you guys get a pretty good sense especially if you're on the court with someone like hey this guy either has what it takes to play at this level do you do you think that's fair that you can get a pretty quick feel for for these guys uh whether or not that they're like if you're, I guess if you're Tommy Shepard, are are these games enough for him to sort of help determine, you know, if these guys can play a meaningful role for them next year or not? I, I think in in some way, I don't think it's the end all be all, but I am going to agree uh, with kind of the three play rule, um, and I look at it as three trips, and mm-hmm. I tell uh, young people uh, this today that are trying to 
you know, make it to the highest level is to play the game in three possessions. And that's, you know, one solid defensive play, whether it's a rotation, a charge, or deflection, one solid offensive play on the other end, whether it's a pass, whether it's a shot, whether it's a read, and then back on the defensive end in consecutive plays, a defensive play, whether, again, it's a rotation, a deflection, a communication. And that is part of the evaluation process. And I think that that can you know, factor into the highest level because mm-hmm. if you can put those consecutive plays together, there's some understanding there of where to be, how to be, and what you're actually doing because it's not all about scoring. It's not all about blocking shots. But it is you know, those three consecutive trips up to court. How many of those can you put together you know, during the course of a game? That's going to tell me what sort of player you are from my vantage point. That, that's probably more of just like a quick, you know, thumbs up, thumbs down maybe on like, yeah. hey, this guy can play at this level or can't unless so. I mean, can you like gauge a ceiling from somebody and sort of that change or, or that kind of thing? No, no. I think that that just gives you ability to understand that, you know, they have the capacity to, mm-hmm. to begin to learn, right, or to, to understand what, you know, what the goal is. But no, you. I mean, it, it takes time. I mean, it, it takes time. It takes, you know, these guys are understanding their body. I mean, Rui's going to, I mean, I don't know what he's what he's weighing now, but he's probably going to gain another, you know, 10, 15 pounds and fill out even more. Um, so his ability to get to the basket is going to be like our test. I mean, I, that's what I see. I like that. Yeah, I mean, one of the guys for me that on their first kind of couple possessions as a wizard, I, I was pretty convinced wasn't going to be that caliber of player was was Isak Bonga. Uh, I mean, it just granted he's really young, and and they were very upfront about how raw he was. But you know, my my first viewing experience of him, he was really rough to watch. And this whole quarantine, all you've heard from everybody with the Wizards is Bonga is the guy. Like this is the guy. He used this time. He got leaner. He got stronger. You know, he he just looks like he's in better shape. The shots coming together. And then you see in the second scrimmage, uh, especially with Troy Brown out, he, he really stepped up. I think he had 15 points, 12 rebounds. But, you know, this is a guy that they're not calling plays for. He's just kind of in the right place. If if he is open, he hit a couple corner threes that looked relatively fluid. He had kind of that wonky release before, but it looks like they've already cleaned that up a good amount. Um, I think that's probably the guy that maybe has surprised people the most so far would you agree with that or is there another guy you would point to that maybe the national national uh, nba fans and, and non-wizards fans wouldn't wouldn't sort of know about no i think that's right bonga's name has, has been um you know been popping up a, a, a lot and i think his you know his body style and how he plays is you know that wing that guy can slash and, and be active in transition uh, and then he's a young guy, so he can be molded into, you know, what you're trying to accomplish. You got to see outcomes and, the, you know, all these guys that, you know, uh, uh, J- uh, Jimmy Butler, you know, those guys that started in a place and, and ended up being something else. But, he, I mean, he's his name is ringing. Um, and that's, I think that'll give him confidence to, to keep going. He's also the guy that you can kind of, at least my take on this and tell me if this if this is fair or not, but he must be a well-liked hard worker because he's the guy that even if he just like makes a wide open layup, the whole bench is on their feet going crazy. Like, is there something to that where like teams respond to someone like him where the, they see the hard work paying off? I think so. 
I think so. Uh, personalities, uh, you know, these guys spend a lot of time with each other, obviously, especially now. <laughs> but, you know, normally, you know, spend you know more time with each other than with their families. So anytime you can shout out somebody, you know, you know, know how hard they've been working. I think that that's, that's, that's what you see. You know, those guys are buying into the guys that are there and, you know, having, having some fun with it. The team's also said that they don't expect some of the veteran guys to get a lot of minutes. Like, so that that's realistically veteran guys at this point is Ish Smith and, and Jan Mahinmi, who they've kind of listed with an injury through the scrimmages anyway. But I would imagine Ish plays a decent amount, uh, maybe doesn't close games or whatever, but you know, what are you, what are you expecting sort of rotation wise? Do you think it's the typical, you know, eight, eight ish guys as you kind of make a playoff run here, or, or do you think they'll make more of an effort to, if somebody's here on the bench and young, we're going to get them some minutes. You know what? That's a great question, man. And it's, it's definitely different because of the pandemic, but they actually have an outside shot of making the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So in, in a normal world, you would, go exactly with, you know, protocol. You would shorten your bench, you would give the push, and then you would see what happens. In this situation, <laughs> it's 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 odd because they're they're guys on they're two main guys aren't there. But again, it's really all that they have. So that's a tough question for me to kind of to, to think about is like what what are the what are the conversations that they're having in the locker room? Like what are the behind the scenes conversations these guys are really having? But I, th- I think that they, I think they will give their the younger guys the majority of, of of the minutes and see you know see what happens. I don't think that they're gonna, you know, stun any of the young guys' growth to, to mm-hmm. play older guys and see if they can get a, another contract or not. Yeah, my my expectation was that maybe like the first two games the the bench is uh you know the rotation's a little shorter and and you see where you're at after those first two and and how the nets which. You know, they're actually closer in games to the Magic. The Magic have looked reasonable in the scrimmages and have pretty much everybody healthy, um, and the Nets are pretty depleted. So maybe you see how they look, and if it's they've won two and you've lost two, that that really puts a, a damper on your playoff chances. And, and then maybe you see Jerry and Grant and Admiral Schofield and Jared Utoff and guys like that start to get, get a little more run time. Yeah, that's what, I would, that's what I would expect. I mean, that's what I would hope. I think that... Um... Just the, the time that you can get, you know, get a chance to to play against, you know, those teams that are chasing, you know, those playoff spots, those high playoff spots, and give those younger guys that experience of what it looks like to, you know, what it feels like to actually fight for a spot. I think that'll help them out. Any prediction on how many wins they'll pull off out of the eight? Uh, I'm gonna say three. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say three, uh, just because I think that. As an NBA player, you got to at least go in there to win two. You got to at least win two, and I'll give them an extra one. Just, just off the strength, I'll give them an extra one. But you can't be in that that bubble for this long, and you know what I mean. Just, just walk away with the you know the eight that that they gave you. I I wouldn't be happy with that. It would it would be tough to to kind of rest on the moral victory of just getting better in development if you don't at least like you said pull off a couple wins to to, to go home with. Yeah. Uh, they have looked kind of spunky defensively, and, and maybe that's an advantage of having a lot of young guys out there is that they're sort of bouncy and all over the place, um, and that's obviously not been a, a strength of this team so far. But, but like Rui specifically, he kind of looked to, you know, to take on the challenge when he was matched up with Kawhi Leonard, and there was definitely some internet overreaction. You know, Kawhi shot 4 of 12 in that scrimmage, and it was basically like, oh, Rui locked down Kawhi, but 
you know, I, I think that's more of a just a, he probably shot what he shot as he shakes some rust off. But I at least like seeing someone like that that was kind of rough defensively this year want to take on that challenge. So, you know, maybe that alone just kind of gets them in a couple a couple of these games that maybe you wouldn't expect. No, I, I did see that. And I think it is good to, to take on that challenge uh, because all you need to do is pose a little bit of resistance. Mm-hmm. And in t- today's game, I mean, that's a that's a really great defender is anyone that can pose a little bit of resistance. Uh, and then for, like for the team, I saw the team rotating or running, or, you know, r- running around. Uh, you know, the veteran would, would probably call it running around. They would probably call it rotating. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's the energy that they had, like you said. And they sustained it. The game I watched, you know, against the Clippers, they, they were moving around. And that's just part of learning. You, know, you got you to gotta want to do that kind of stuff. It, it was a little maybe less so in the, um, the Lakers scrimmage. I think that one sort of got away from them. Uh, whereas the first two, they were, you know, they, they seemed like they had a chance to win it for most of the game. And I think there's probably something to uh, both LeBron and Anthony Davis sitting out with that Lakers scrimmage. So, you know, maybe it's a little harder to get up for the last of three scrimmages before real games start without those sort of bigger name guys to, to take on. And I, I think that that's the one thing that was consistent with the scrimmages is it was really uh, organized, you know, like the preseason. Mm-hmm. Um, so what you gauge from that is pretty much the same things you, you gauge from, from preseason games. So you were able to, you know, we, I was able to relate the competition to preseason before uh, how, how it's been set up. Yeah, I went to summer league for the first time last year. It gave me that kind of vibe too. You know, granted, yeah. a lot of these guys for the Wizards played on the summer league team last year, so it's it's not too big of a stretch. Sort of the other big one locally was the the matchup uh, when they played Denver, and and Bull Bull was a guy that pretty much most of the fan base wanted them to draft in the second round, and they ended up with Rui Hachimura or with uh, sorry Admiral Schofield in the second round. Um, so Bull Bulls looked really good. Schofield's really been the one guy that I would feel comfortable saying, even though it was just scrimmages, that he struggled. He just looks like there's a lack of confidence there or just looks sort of out of sorts. You know, he's, he's taken a lot of threes, and I think they've put emphasis on that with him, his ability to stretch the floor. But like, some, of these, some of these shots are pretty rough. He looks surprised to get the ball. And then, like, he, I think he hit side of the backboard on a corner three. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's just – is that just maybe the moment with national cameras or something? Like, what what goes into that for someone like him that's going to f- have to fight to make the team next year? Well, I, I watched him in college. I uh, didn't get a chance to watch him much uh, within the G League or, or any of his, of his call-ups. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's not a three-point shooter. And I don't think he, he's obviously going to need to add that into his game to stretch the floor. But he's the guy that shoots the basketball well from around the free throw line and and, and the 45 extended. I mean, that's that's where he operates. I mean, that's where I saw him. Um, you know, be the most effective. So if you put a guy like that in a situation where you're now telling him to shoot the three ball, hey, that's that's like that's like from here to you know St. Louis to Columbia. I mean, that's you know, that's 90 miles. You know, that's a long way for him right now. And that's what I see. I think that he's going to have to understand uh, his body type and, and his positioning and 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 what sort of uh, offensive need he's going to need to be uh, because of his size and and you know, kind of where that puts him at. Uh, so he's one of those guys who's going to need to you know, help figuring out uh, how he can be the most successful uh, in the NBA. I mean, he's going to need help with really understanding how to play the game and what sort of position he's going to need to have and what sort of role he's going to be best 
suited for. When you first come in, obviously the name of the game is score. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, you know, they want to put that on them. Uh, but I wouldn't, you know, I, I wouldn't have them, you know, picking and popping and shooting a three ball, you know, in my opinion. You know, they, they've, a guy they've pointed to a lot, especially when they drafted him was, you know, we're hoping he can be our PJ Tucker type, you know, maybe a little undersized, mm-hmm. but, but can bang with people and make enough shots to keep people honest. And then during that particular scrimmage, uh, Glenn Concert was on the call and Glenn is an actual monumental employee. He's at, calls every game on the radio you would assume he's pretty well plugged into what the team thinks on those sorts of things but he's like oh uh paul Millsap is a guy he should really look to as a model and that one kind of kind of threw me off you know i mean mm-hmm. paul's like a, a really good four slash sometimes small ball five and he's probably 20 pounds bigger than admiral and four inches it just that, that that comparison didn't make a lot of sense to me for a projectable role yeah, I don't, I don't see uh, Millsap. Millsap is really good. He's so good. Yeah, I, I don't think he gets the credit that he, that he deserves because he didn't have that flashy game. But right. uh, he shoots the ball well. He puts the ball on the floor. Um, you know, if they're saying that he, you know, Admiral can grow to that. Uh, again, we're just talking about working on the new line versus what he's been comfortable doing. Uh, so strong, man. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think that'll be a problem with him. Uh, you know, gaining some distance on on that shot, and that's going to open up the floor for him. They also told a story during the broadcast about how um, Admiral Schofield mentioned to Justin Kutcher, the, the play-by-play guy, that he was a much better shooter in high school at like a knockdown three-point shooter. And then mm-hmm. at Tennessee, they, they tweaked his form so much that he's a considerably worse shooter now than he was going into college. Like, mm-hmm. How much of that is... Is that recoverable at a certain point, or is it like you know too many people tweak with stuff too many times? Does, is that where you kind of end up with that, that broken yeah, shot? I mean, yeah, but we got to talk about the high school. I mean, just the speed of the game and how fast you got to get those shots off. So, you know, a, a standstill shooter versus a guy that that that's a jump shooter or the mm-hmm. guy that shoots off the dribble. Obviously, you know, there's going to be some change there. But you know, if you can shoot the basketball. Like you can shoot the basketball, right. especially if you shot the basketball at a at a high level. Meaning, like I said earlier, like your form and your follow through was, was was right on. Mm-hmm. Then that that doesn't go anywhere. So we gotta we gotta pull up the tape on old Admiral and see what see what's going on. Yeah, that that would be an interesting <laughs> film breakdown, I think. And and those are the kinds of things that that people are really curious about that that what they have, you know, what the team works on with him and and those kinds of things. So. Uh, I think we've done a pretty reasonable, uh, pretty reasonable job, you know, recapping the scrimmages so far and, and maybe setting the table for what's to come. Their, their first immediate game, this will, this podcast will drop Thursday night. They play uh, on Friday against the Phoenix Suns, who are, mm-hmm. um, you know, probably if we're the 22nd team in the bubble, they're probably 21st or 20th. Um, but their road to the playoffs is probably – uh, a little better than ours, I would think, just just because they have most of their key guys. Kelly Oubre is still out for them, but uh, what do you expect in sort of this first matchup, Larry, with Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton and, and those guys? I think that that team is a wild card. I mean, Phoenix is, is brought in a lot of talent. They have a lot of talent, and I think even their young guys have some experience, so that's that's definitely a, a positive. I don't see those. I don't see that team making the playoffs and, and, and being in that run. 
Sure. But I do see those. You know, I do see those guys winning. You know, winning some games within the bubble. And I think, you know, in my opinion, I think that the Wizards will be, you know, a little bit outmatched depending on you know, how those guys' mindsets uh, going into the game. But I just think Phoenix has a lot of talent. They want to win a few games and 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 go home. I think that they have the ability to, to do that. Mm-hmm. I, I would agree with you. I I I look at our roster right now, and I'm, I'm wondering. Um, you know who that guy is that that makes life tough on on Devin Booker. I, I guess either a Jerome Robinson or who's been decent defensively so far, or, or Troy Brown probably get the the mm-hmm. majority of those minutes would would be my guess. And they're just kind of asking so much of of somebody like Troy offensively and and from a facilitating standpoint too that that's you know that's also probably a pretty tough ask to to try to slow down Booker. I would think. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously with Booker, you got to put a guy with size on him. Mm. Uh, so, you know, Rui may get a little bit of time on him, and I think that that could be something that the Wizards get a look at, you know, just how versatile he can be on, on the defensive end because I think he has a, a game that's going to – once he gets to the offensive end, he can operate from three-point line down. So, you know, just really moving him around on defense to see how much, you know, he can affect uh, the backboards, how much he can affect penetration, keeping guys out of the lane. As, as a shot, test it out. Yeah, maybe, maybe a couple bonga minutes too, just to put some length on him and give him a couple different looks. But I, it wouldn't surprise me to see like five guys cover him over the course of the game just to, to give him those different sort of looks at stuff. All right, last question I got for you, Larry. This is sort of pivoting a little bit here. I, I don't know if you saw any of this, but Zach Lowe had Bradley Beal on his podcast a couple months ago and told Brad to his face basically, hey, you'll make my all-NBA team and then put out his all-NBA list and didn't include Brad and, and sort of laid out why there was a more compelling argument. I, I think he had Trey Young in, in sort of that you know, spot on third-team all-NBA. And, and Brad went to Twitter and, and talked about, um, you know, basically called uh, Lowe a liar on, on Twitter, and, and Brad's wife has been going on about, you know, this is sort of, what, sort of what my husband gets for committing to a team and sticking through a rebuild and, and not rocking the boat. I just wanted to get your sort of, take on all of that I think uh, I think this should be a lot of what they talked about you know as far as with his agent with the organization what he was signing up for you're going to get all the the accolade I mean it's it's very important to to make a bunch of money and to be you know in a place where you where you want to be but it's very important that you win mm-hmm. and that plays a, a huge part in how the, the public views you on how many times you get in front of them, how many times you play on TV, uh, what sort of sponsors or partners want to be involved with the team or players, you know, on that team because they're winning. I think that, that these are all the things that, that Brad should have expected, you know, at least his first year or at least, mm-hmm. you know, the first two years to give a chance to, to turn things around. But I don't think that guy should feel, I mean, I understand him, him feeling slighted, but he's a hell of a worker, a, a great dude. Just get off the Twitter, you know, and just just really just um, just keep working. I mean, you have the respect of all the guys within the league. Like that's what you know. For me, that's what mattered the most. Obviously, you wanted to make money, you wanted to win, you wanted you know people to to love your game. Uh, but what's more valuable than anything is respect. And I mean, if you go down the line and go into these locker rooms, I know that you know that he has the respect from his peers. And you got a long battle to fight, you know, if you're going to fight on Twitter, man, because everybody's going to chime in and yep. give give their opinion on, on what's what. So 
my advice to Brad, man, is just keep moving forward. And uh, Twitter is going to play no part in, in how successful you'll be at the end of the day. So just keep moving. You know, I, I feel like I watch as much basketball as, as probably anybody, but I would never presume to tell you that I knew more about, you know, who was a better player between the two, uh, you know, if you picked player A and player B. But that, I guess my point is uh, how, how much of that determination coming from, from writers and media, I, I think they're 50% of the all-NBA vote, I want to say. Yeah. Uh, so do you think there should be a shift in sort of what that percentage is? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not. I think when you talk about how it affects people's money, Mm-hmm. And a lot of a lot of things, uh, as far as the incentives are attached to the All NBA teams, then it has to be skewed towards the peers and and you know the actual environment of, of which you compete. And that way, I mean, you can really see guys or call guys out on a situation. You know, you can pull up the stats and you can show history. It's, it's tough to to tell a writer, you know, on how they view you know, however the game is being played, it's coming from their eyes. They don't have to step between the lines so they don't know mm-hmm. exactly how how hard it is to, to stop a person. Yeah. So I think that what the what we should do is is take the incentives away um, that are related to money yeah. and then, you know, move it towards, you know, the peers and, and have it, you know, more skewed towards what your, what your peers think. Yeah, one of the counters to that has always been, well, you know, maybe players are petty so they wouldn't vote for a guy just cuz they don't like him but honestly i think the, the the national writers and stuff do that too like there's always a favorite narrative and you know some guys are always going to be pro lebron or you know it just everybody's got a guy i think so bias is going to exist across the board but i think what you just said about brad's contract not being based on on this voting would be sort of the clean way to take that away and and maybe guys would get less offended by it yeah, man, because you don't know, like, like it, it's, a, it's a crazy game. It's a cold world, and just as far as, the, you know, it's got guys making teams or not making teams, like, you don't know what front office person knows this person and know mm-hmm. what – like, you just don't know what goes on behind the scenes. So it's really just fair to say, hey, let these guys vote on it, and if there's a problem, you can always see the player. Like, you don't want to confront a writer because they said – you weren't as great as you think you are. Like sure. I would much rather confront a player mm-hmm. that has that thought process than to confront someone that's writing about the process. So that's how yeah. I see it. Yeah. If, if a player slights you, you can go out and bust his ass the next time. Like there's some, you know, there's some direct reaction to that. I think. Bingo. Uh, all right. I think that's a pretty good place to end it. We just wanted to give folks kind of a, a sense for what to expect during tomorrow's scrimmage. So Larry, thanks for thanks for giving your takes there. For for everybody listening, I think we're going to have a couple guests lined up in the the next couple of weeks here that that can kind of give us some firsthand accounting on uh, how things are going down in the bubble. So that's your tease. So so look forward to that. Uh, Larry, any parting parting thoughts here? Yeah, man, basketball is back. Guys, get back on the floor for some meaningful games. I just got to take advantage of it, and we'll be watching. You heard it there, folks. This is Believe in Wizards, B-L-E-A-V. Find us wherever podcasts are uh, distributed. So make sure to download, subscribe, all that good stuff. And we will catch you all next week.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.